Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Videobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 849. I'm saying good morning three times because we're live here this morning. We're live at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend here at Audubon's Nature Center in Aquarium in beautiful Bristol, Rhode Island, high above the sparkling waters of Narragansett Bay. And if you hear me stop talking, it's because my papers have blown away and I won't know what to say. It's a little breezy here, but the breeze is dying down. We have a beautiful uh, audience here with us in this gorgeous location. And by the way, to our Rhode Island area listeners, you have plenty of time to join us here at the Raptor Weekend. It continues until 3 this afternoon. And since we're in the ocean state, famous for its beautiful beaches and shorelines, we thought we'd start off with a couple of stories about shorebirds and shorebird protection. The first one is from across the pond in a place called Home Next the Sea in Norfolk, UK, where shorebirds have been adversely affected by off-leash dogs and the people who enabled them. Well, this year the conservation group Birds on the Brink conducted a trial project in which they put oyster catchers uh, on um, I'm sorry, which they put... <laughs> See, this, the paper blew away. I just caught it. All right. They put up electric fences to prevent off-leash dogs from disturbing the nests of birds like terns and oyster catchers. And so far, the project seems to be working. This year, 15 oyster catcher chicks fledged along with two little terns and four ringed plovers. And by the way, the experts tell us these electric fences do not cause any harm at all to the dogs. And we'll get that full story up on our website and Facebook page ASAP. Meanwhile, Long Island, New York has been facing a similar shorebird situation, especially for piping plovers. With off-leash dogs chasing the plovers and often destroying their nests in the process. So hometown hero Chris Alieri started the NYC Plover Project to protect the birds on beaches in the Rockaways in Queens. He's recruited more than 50 volunteers who have spent most of the spring and summer patrolling the beaches to defend plovers from dogs and oblivious beachgoers. He's also partnered with the Park Service, which has helped teach him and the volunteers about conflict de-escalation and the West Bay, a best way to approach people on the beach Although Mr. Alieri says he's found that with a few exceptions, people are eager to learn about the plovers and their need for protection. He says he'll continue the project as long as the birds keep coming back. And they've even set up a booth at the beach at Jacob Reese Park, where they hand out printed plover stickers and temporary tattoos to passers-by. And we're hoping to have Mr. Alieri as a guest on our show 
soon, by the way, to give us an update on how the Plover project is going. We have a conservation salute today. It's to the organizers and all who are joining in for National Cleanup Day on Saturday, September 18th. It's a coast-to-coast -coast effort which spans the whole month of September, really, in which organizations and individuals volunteer to clean up parks and trails, open spaces, and beaches. And many thousands of people will be taking part. We have details about how to participate in this really important cleanup effort on our Talking Birds dot com website. We'll be out there as part of this effort doing our little thing that we call flirting, picking up litter while burning. So please uh, check out our website. Now we have a royal salute. These are, this is the royalty of our Talking Birds family, our, our Talking Birds ambassadors. Uh, they are folks who uh, help us do what we're trying to do, which is to spread the word about birds and conservation. So uh, thank you and congratulations for joining the ambassadors uh, family to Katie Lutzker from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Katie. This was really cool because she became an ambassador on the morning of one of our shows and then she called in and won the mystery bird contest. So that obviously brought her some luck. And then Dave Hoy from Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Also a recent mystery bird contest winner and close associate of Katie, we found out. Um, he also won the contest, became an ambassador, so thank you, Dave. And Katie says, we just went on a trip and spent most of the time during our car ride listening to Talking Birds past episodes. <laughs> what a car ride that must have been. And playing, <laughs> and playing the mystery bird game. No wonder they're so good at it. Practicing. We have to check and see if that's legal. We'll check with the legal department. <laughs> so thank you, Dave. Thank you, Katie. Thank you to Susan Craver from Framingham, Massachusetts. Thank you, Susan. And to all of our Talking Birds listeners, uh, please consider joining our ambassadors family, just as Susan and Dave and Katie have done. You'll be spreading the word about birds and conservation. It's really easy to do. Just go to the Get Involved tab. Click on that at the top of the homepage at TalkingBirds.com. Let's see. We have a mystery bird contest every week on our show. And... Um, we're going to go do a little preview of that contest uh, right now. Okay. That is not a piping plover, I'm pretty sure about that. Our mystery <laughs> bird is a large raptor with long, broad wings, pale flight feathers with a dark trailing edge on the wings and black marks at the wrists. The tail is broad with white at the base and a broad, dark tip. It usually has a pale, streaked chest and a dark belly. In North America, our bird breeds in Alaska and northern Canada and winters over the upper two-thirds of the lower 48. And it gets its name from the fact that its legs have something in common with the golden eagle and the ferruginous hawk, and that is that its legs are feathered all the way down to its toes. So that's a bunch of clues there and the sound of the mystery bird. This is our little preview of the contest. Prizes include... I wanted to show this to our uh, to our audience right here at uh, Rhode Island Audubon. It's our feather-friendly window marker kit. Little rolls of uh, feather-friendly tape, and you get this gorgeous kit with all kinds of instructions and information about how to prevent birds from crashing into windows, which of course is a huge problem. 
That's one of our prizes today. And our other prize is the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder that attaches securely to your window and offers a clear, unobstructed view of the birds right at your window. So those are the prizes. And we have a kind of a new system in which we have a bonus prize. If we have time for our bonus question, we'll give away a bonus prize. And that's from our friends at Wisdom Supply Company. And they make all kinds of wonderful school supplies and folders and notebooks and stuff like that, all with natural materials and zero plastic. It's really awesome. And uh, so if we have time, we'll do a bonus question on our mystery bird contest and uh, give away that as a, a bonus prize. So still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's new Director of Avian Research, Dr. Charles Clarkson. And we'll connect with backyard birding guru Mike O'Connor in an almost live from the archive. Let's ask Mike segment about how to buy bird seed. Sounds simple, but Mike knows how to make it complicated. And up next, in honor of Raptor Weekend here with Audubon, Rhode Island, a bird with an angry orange-eyed stare is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The snowy owl gets a lot of attention, and understandably so, it's quite a spectacular bird. But today's featured feathered friend is pretty impressive too. It's another owl family denizen of the north that some call Tengmalm's owl, after Swedish naturalist Gustav Tengmalm, and that some call Richardson's Owl for Scottish naturalist and explorer John Richardson. But this bird is better known by the non-patronymic moniker that describes its native habitat. It's the Boreal Owl. The Boreal Owl, which feeds mostly on voles, but also on small birds and insects, is a medium-sized owl, mostly brown above, with white flecking on the shoulders, and whitish with brown streaks on the underside. The dark frame around its face and its intense yellow-orange eyes give the adult boreal owl an angry look. Males and females look alike, at least to human observers. Young birds are chocolate brown. Here in the U.S., the boreal owl is usually seen only in the northernmost states and in the Rocky Mountains down to New Mexico. And seeing it at all is difficult because unlike the snowy owl, it's not usually active during the day. You may have seen the boreal owl in the movies as the pet of Danish writer Karen Blixen, portrayed by Meryl Streep in the great film Out of Africa. Although it's unlikely that this was the species that was actually Blixen's pet, since it doesn't occur on that continent. The boreal owl's call has been compared to a non-vocal sound of last week's mystery bird, the Wilson's snipe. Here's the snipe. And here's the owl. By the way, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology suggests that if you live within the breeding range of the boreal owl, you might consider putting up a nest box. They're readily accepted by this bird, and Cornell's Nest Watch site offers plans and information on how to build one. The boreal owl, Egolius funerius, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend.
Welcome back to our show, number uh, whatever number it is here. It's uh, number 849, and we're live today from the beautiful Nature Center and Aquarium of Rhode Island Audubon, the Audubon Society of Rhode Island here in Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. We have a beautiful uh, audience, um, yeah. And uh, we have a beautiful guest here. Well, a handsome guest, I, I, I should say. He's right next to me here. He's Dr. Charles Clarkson, who earned an undergrad degree in environmental sciences at Mary Washington College, a master's degree in biology, biology from Virginia Commonwealth University, and a doctorate degree in environmental sciences from the University of Virginia. He's received numerous awards for his research in the field of ornithology and served on Audubon's board of directors from 2013 to 2021. And he joins us now to talk about his new position as Audubon Rhode Island's Director of Avian Research. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Ray. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. Come over a little bit closer here, if you could, and that we, uh, I won't drop the microphone again. Um, so, Charles, you served recently as a coordinator for the Rhode Island Breeding Bird Atlas, aimed at assessing long-term changes to the state's bird populations. I wonder if you could give us a thumbnail sketch of that, what was involved in... in that took place in this state, and actually bird atlases are applied throughout many states here in the country. Uh, the ultimate goal of, this, of the atlas project is to map the distribution and overall abundance of species that primarily breed in the state. And so we subdivided the entirety of Rhode Island into 165 10-square-mile survey blocks. And then we spent six years gathering data on breeding birds and what makes... Rhode Island so unique is that because of our small spatial extent, we were able to extend our surveys into both the migratory and wintering periods as well. So we have an, a snapshot of not only how birds utilize our state during the breeding season and the habitats they require and the total numbers of individuals for many of our breeding birds, but we also know how birds utilize our state during the non-breeding period for overwintering habitat and how they use it as they transit through the state during periods of migration. So that's pretty cool, the entire state over all the seasons like that, and uh, so many volunteers involved. How do you get all the volunteers? It was uh, it was no easy task, but thankfully nowadays we have social media, uh, which our, our forebears didn't have in the first round atlas over 30 years ago. So the first round atlas was able to recruit 69 total volunteers, and because of platforms like Facebook, we were able to get over 200 volunteers for the second round atlas. And the data collection itself was primarily driven by citizen scientists and volunteer collected data without whom we would not be able to create all these beautiful spatially explicit maps and understand how birds utilize our state. And what's your report card for birds in general in Rhode Island? So we have a large number of breeding species here. We have 173 total species documented with 150 of them uh, confirmed as breeding in the states. Some of whom, some of these species are, are in decline, as you might expect, species that are, are very tightly linked to grassland habitats, which seems to be the, the theme on a regional scale as well, that grassland birds are, are not doing so well. Whereas on mature forests. So here in Rhode Island, we have a lot of maturation of our forest back into a, a more formal forested state. And this has become more attractive to species like the pileated woodpecker and the red-bellied woodpecker. And so we've had losses on some uh, one end of the spectrum and, and gains on the other. 
I really wanted to ask you about some testimony you gave recently to the Rhode Island legislature, and we're really very tight on time here, but I wonder if you could give us a really quick overview of that and a modified bill going to the Senate, if I understand it correctly, all about neonicotinoids, these really problematic pesticides. Right. So neonicotinoids are the most widely used pesticide in our country. And we do know that some of these pesticides to include imidacloprid, which is the most heavily used, has a very serious negative implication for avian populations. And over in Europe, they recognize through studies in the Netherlands that where birds and the application of this pesticide overlap, you see long-term declines in those bird populations. So we've been working to um, get a ban on the use of these chemicals and it looks like that ban is going to kind of transform into uh, a bill in which only certified licensed professionals can use it in an outdoor sense. And hopefully beyond that at some point. Exactly. Yes, that's, that's the goal. Uh, just quickly, uh, and this is a long, a big topic really, but uh, you're new, the new uh, Director of Avian Research here for Audubon, Rhode Island, and you'll be addressing how to minimize the impacts of climate change on birds is a big part. Tell us really quickly, if you could, about that, uh, Charles, and maybe some other areas of focus. Yeah, that's right. So the, it's a really a twofold position. The first step is largely going to be determining which species utilize Audubon refuges across all 14 of the refuge complex. Um, and then once we have an idea of, of both the distribution and abundance of birds using these refuges on a year-round uh, basis, we're then going to determine what we can do as a conservation agency to be more efficient with our, our money, our effort. Dr. Charles Clarkson has been appointed Audubon Director of Avian Research here at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. In this new position, he'll lead efforts in developing a research program to protect birds, other wildlife, and their habitats on Audubon-protected properties and natural spaces in Rhode Island. Uh, on behalf of uh, all the fans of Audubon Rhode Island, welcome and congratulations. Thank you so very much. Charles Clarkson here on Top Birds, and up next, it's our mystery bird contest. In just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. It's our mystery bird contest, and uh, we're going to hear the sound of our mystery bird again. If, uh, if you'll indulge us, Jesse, with the sound of that bird there. And there it is. It's a large raptor with long, broad wings, pale flight feathers, with a dark trailing edge on the wings and black marks at the wrists. The tail is broad with white at the base and a broad dark tip. It usually has a pale streaked chest and a dark belly. In North America, our bird breeds in Alaska and northern Canada and winters over the upper two-thirds of the lower 48. 
And it gets its name, or part of it anyway, from the fact that its legs have something in common with the golden eagle and the ferruginous hawk, and that is that its legs are feathered all the way down to its toes. All right, and we have those beautiful prizes, the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder and that feather-friendly window marker kit to make your windows visible to birds and prevent deadly collisions. And um, if we have time, we'll also do a bonus question and uh, give away a beautiful bonus prize from our friends at uh, Wisdom Supply Company. Meanwhile, uh, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. Ah, Ray cut out a little bit there, but we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor for the Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautiobooks.com My name is Gretchen Conradi, and I live in Seattle, Washington. I like being a Talking Birds ambassador because it sort of gives you something to anchor to when you might be chatting with other people outside because then you can turn them on to the structure of the show and the conservation topics and just the general fun of it. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. As we do every week, we connect with Mike O'Connor down at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. Well, good morning to you, Ray. Good morning to you. And we're talking bird seed this morning, which is my favorite subject. Yeah, i just looking at the notes here about what you're going to say. Now, if I can read this correctly, you should buy really, really big amounts of uh, bird seed and, and put it in the closet. Is that? <laughs> you would think that's what I'd want you to do. Yeah. But um, I, I kind of caution people this time of year with the, the seasons extending and things getting warmer. We run into a problem with uh, meal moths. A lot of people call them pantry moths. These little harmless but annoying moths that kind of start off as little lava, little worms that will get into our crackers and our foods. Well, they, they're available in all kinds of grains, and birdseed is just one of those things. And oftentimes they're actually in the grains when we buy it. We don't know it because it's just kind of in the egg stage and so if we keep them around too long the eggs will hatch and then they'll start to spread so while it's warm i advise people to buy smaller amounts of seed and and i know it's fall and a lot of places have big bird seed sales now part of the reason i do that is because this is the end of the year with the bird seeds bird seed is harvested in the fall so what the farmers or the growers are trying to do is get rid of old seed so they can have room for the new seed so when you buy a lot of seed this time of year you're getting seen as kind of a year old there's nothing wrong with it if the birds will like it fine but you know you run more of a chance of running into these meal moths with old older seeds so i advise people to buy a little bit smaller amounts what you're going to use in a couple of weeks you you don't you know you just don't buy a cup but buy 25 pounds if you're going to use it in two or three weeks that's fine but don't buy it in store for a long time because you bought it on sale especially don't keep it in the house um if you have a shed or a garage that's better um and when it gets cold that problem is solved because all these bugs go dormant 
But this time of year, just buy, you know, smaller amounts, and then you won't be yelling at me saying I sold you some buggy birdseed because I gave you the heads up ahead of time. Yeah, and those meal moths. Oh, they are good for some things, aren't they, those meal moths? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I put them out when I catch one. I put them out, and uh, um, Carolina Wrens love them. Oh, see, I thought I made that up, but it turns out it's actually true. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. Okay, talk to you later. Right. Bye-bye. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more birdwatchingdaily.com Welcome back to the uh, what the mystery bird contest yeah do we still have the bird uh, handy near, nearby a very cooperative uh, mystery bird maybe not that cooperative that's oh there he is okay a large raptor with long broad wings and pale flight feathers with a dark trailing edge on the wings black marks at the wrist some of the attributes of our mystery bird and the number to call and i'm not sure i gave the number earlier on isn't that interesting people have called in anyway we really appreciate that uh, without us actually giving the phone number okay i might as well give it now so i can say i did it's 781-837-4900 that's 781-837-4900 and kyle is somewhere in the great state of Illinois. Good morning, Kyle. Oh. This is Tom. Tom. Okay. Well, listen, Tom. Say hello to Kyle when you see him. But um, okay. thank you. Are you are you calling from Illinois, or do we have the state wrong as well? No, you got the right state. No, the right I have the right state and the wrong name. Yeah. Okay, we'll figure that out later. But we're on a remote broadcast, so stuff like this is supposed to happen. Okay. So um, anyway... We're we're doing we're doing well. Whereabouts in Illinois, or do you, if you care to say? No, I'll tell you, Skokie, Illinois. It's about maybe half hour left from Chicago. All right, Skokie, Illinois. All right. So let's see. You heard the clues and uh, all that, uh, uh, Tom. You cross out that name, Kyle. There, would you, Debbie? Because I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you say our mystery bird is, Tom? A rough-legged hawk. A rough-legged hawk, is that correct? Uh, so our studio audience will determine whether it is, and that will be determined by Peter holding up the applause sign. <laughs> yeah, nice job, yes. Rough-legged hawk is absolutely correct. And um, I'm checking our time. I think we have time for a bonus question. If you'd like to try it, would you like to? Yes, go for it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and we actually have a prize for this. So here's the question. What is a gular pouch? What is a gular pouch? This is multiple choice. Is it A, a type of hanging nest used by certain birds like Orioles? B, a bare throat flap that can be expanded to accommodate large prey? Pelicans have them. Or is it C, the latest handbag from Louis Vuitton? I go B. Oh, B. Uh, did you say B, the bare uh -huh. throat flap? Uh -huh. That is uh, correct, as a matter of fact, yes. So, uh, yeah. So that means you also win as our bonus prize uh, from Wisdom Supply Company, a $20 gift certificate. And uh, that's a woman-owned B Corporation, by the way, preventing plastic pollution 
through thoughtfully designed plastic-free, zero-waste school and office supplies. So we kind of like that. Tom, stay on the line. We'll get your name and address, possibly, and send out those uh, prizes to you. Thank you, Tom. All right, you too. Tom there in Skokie, Illinois, with the correct answer of the um, the rough-legged hawk show so we're kind of about to wrap up and just uh, give a reminder that um, we'll welcome a guest I think I'm not sure we've quite confirmed this yet but we're uh, working on it a guest from Travis Audubon in Austin Texas and this is also about birds crashing into windows but on kind of a big downtown scale because Austin has joined the lights out program to prevent birds from crashing into uh, well, mostly downtown skyscrapers, towers, big, tall buildings, and that sort of thing. Thank you to our amazing Talking Birds team. Debbie Bleacher, also our on-site producer today. Freya McGregor, our great producing engineer. Uh, uh, Jesse Wilkins, and, and can we mention our uh, special assistant, uh, Peter Dane, this morning, too. Thank you. And thank you, everybody here at Rhode Island Audubon, and we'll see everybody next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org. And on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.